Good morning, everyone. This is Ruth Mitchell, editor of The Wholesaler Magazine, coming to you from Chicago. I'm so excited for our off-the-cuff audio series here to bring to you our next guest. Today, I'm bringing to you Rob McDonald, who is CEO of AY McDonald Manufacturing Company, a family-owned and family-operated manufacturer of waterworks, plumbing, pump, and natural gas products. Its company headquarters, Brass Foundry, and main manufacturing manufacturing plant are located in Dubuque, Iowa, with other locations in Elizabethtown, Tennessee, and Albia, Iowa. Established in 1856, the company distinguishes itself with exceptional customer service and a proud tradition of quality and reliability. Heck, after all, its motto is, we're more than a brand, we are family. So with that, welcome, Rob, to our series Off the Cuff. How are you? Very good, Ruth. Very good. Thank you for having us do a little conversation with you this morning. Well, I I appreciate that. I was really looking forward to this one, Rob, and I'll tell you why. You know, your company established in 1856. That's absolutely incredible. Can you give me a brief history of the company and what you manufacture? Well, that's hard to do because uh, 164 years, uh, (laughs) it's hard to give a brief history, but I'll give my best. Wonderful. It's actually a pretty great story. My great-great-grandfather did an apprenticeship in plumbing in Glasgow, Scotland. And when he was 20 years old, he jumped on a boat and he came to the United States. And he worked his way across to the Midwest doing different plumbing jobs. And then he came to Dubuque where, interestingly, his sister was living at the time. She had come over a year or two earlier. And he hung up his shingle as a plumber. He was a vent of soul and found himself manufacturing things to help him in his job as a plumber. So eventually, over time, he evolved into manufacturing. And our first real product was the old pumps that you see that you'd have to hand pump. And these were for outside. And then we also did the pitcher pumps. So we really started as a pump company. We started pouring in Dubuque in 1877, iron and brass. And of course, today we pour only bronze and no lead bronze. And that's what makes up our biggest product line, which is Waterworks Brass. We've done a lot of things over our 164 years. We've had to adapt to stay current and stay relevant to our customers, but it's been very rewarding because we're one of the oldest family businesses in America. With that said, when you measure that, it has to be the same family in that business the whole time. So that puts us in unique company in the United States. Well, that sure does. And it definitely sounds like It's the old adage of necessity is the mother of invention, which started and created the company. And, you know, you're adapting to state currents, which has held up that 164 year history. So let me ask you this. When we started 2020, what was the business climate for you? Well, I think we were we were pretty bullish on 2020. We had some nice sales goals out there. We typically work a lot of overtime in the winter months in order to get product on the shelves, getting ready for the spring push. And that's exactly what we were doing. January, February, and having just closed out March have all been record months for the company. And not by just a little. 2020 was pretty strong. So we were pretty bullish. And yeah, that's dampened a little bit with the crisis. There's a lot of unknowns ahead of us. But we started off you start out pretty good. Well, I'm happy to hear that. And, you know, as an essential business, I'm going to take it that you're still manufacturing. Are you still manufacturing at the same rate that you were before, before the pandemic hit? Yes. 
you know, we've got a few people who are out for different reasons. It's a little more than usual related to the COVID pandemic, but we're going three shifts in all three factories and we're still working overtime too. We're big on service level. We want to be able to ship when the customer orders it and we want to make sure we have the products on the shelf. And after three busy months, we can still stand to put some more product on our shelves. I want to talk about your customers in just one second. But while we're talking about the company and manufacturing, you know, we we collectively being the United States and quite frankly, the world, we never predicted that we would be in the situation that we are right now with COVID-19. What changes did you implement at the company to keep the business up and running once directives came down to changes that needed to be made? I think we did a lot of things that other companies have done. The one luxury for us is we're a family-owned business. We look long-term, and even when something comes up on us so quick as COVID did, we can still kind of stay the course. Our biggest concern was keeping our people safe and giving them confidence that they were coming into a safe workplace. So, you know, we, we promoted social distancing, which I'll admit it took some of us a while to feel good about and, and actually do. You know, I would stand there watching people leave the plant after shift and had to give a few reminders there. We've changed a few traffic patterns throughout our factory and our lunch rooms. We've taken chairs out of our lunch room so people aren't sitting so close. And obviously, we started getting people who could work outside the building. We started very slowly on that. But as this progressed, we ramped that up very quick and got most of our office staff out of the building in less than a week. Wow. That takes a lot of manpower to do that. So, I mean, I've, I've heard it across the board here. You know, the first thing that everyone was thinking of is how do we get our, our folks to work from home? or from another place and laptops and internet access. And I know the IT departments have been running crazy. Yeah, our IT department, they're our celebrated heroes right now because (laughs) they've pulled this off. And it really, aside from not seeing people's faces every day, you don't feel the change in productivity and what we're able to do as a company. Well, it sounds like the company culture is remaining intact as well from everything you're telling me. We're doing our best. So with all of the changes that have occurred, how are you supporting your customers and how have you adapted and changed to taking care of their wants and needs? One of our sayings we've had around here for 45 years is the customer is the boss. Everybody in our company, that's up on our walls. We talk about it at meetings. So we've always been very, very customer focused. That hasn't changed in any of this. Our biggest struggle was can we move our customer service people to work from home and have our customers not feel that. And and we've been able to pull that off. You know, the other thing, a long time ago when I headed up the sales division and customer service, I took the word policy out of our vocabulary. No customer ever wants to hear about this is our policy because the word policy says that every single situation can be handled the same. And I've never found that to be the case. When our customers call up and they have a special need, We do everything we can to fulfill that need. And that hasn't changed with COVID. I have not heard of us not being able to meet customer expectations in the last month or so of this crisis, which is the way it should go. I'm writing fast and furious notes here. And and the reason why I'm doing that is in my columns and in the magazine, I've always talked about customer service, customer service, customer service, and how it truly is. It's a dying art. 
in a way. So when you're talking about, you know, you're taking the word policy out of the vocabulary, even in these stressful times of COVID, that's an amazing thing to do. But it talks about how you empower your employees to be able to do what needs to be done and in the right way for the best interest of the customer. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that is awesome. Yeah. And, and now that people are working from home, they can't say, hey, let me just talk to my boss real quick. Right. And, and we've always done that. Our people know the customer is the boss. You're talking to them right now. The boss asks you to do something. We probably should do it. Mm-hmm. So we, we give them guidelines, obviously, but they're guidelines. They've got a lot of room to move in between those guidelines. So with the company being 164 years old, I have to imagine that there's a business continuity plan in place. Do you, and are you sticking with it, or did you have to adjust along the way? Well, yeah, we we had a business continuity plan in place, but like most companies, it dealt with loss of facilities and loss of equipment or loss of your IT capability. This one is dealing with loss of people, uh-huh. which I can't say we, we had a good plan. Now, we haven't lost our people. There's a few that are out for varying reasons, none with a case, but dealing with things at home or you know maybe exposures of their spouse or something of that. But we've had to deal with a possible loss of people, which I don't think anybody's business continuity plan really thought about because this is a unique time. Who could fathom something like this happening? So we've we've definitely had to adjust. One of the adjustments was, you know, our, our IT department is running full tilt. But if we have to close the facility where they operate in due to a case, how do they operate? So we've set up off-site in our innovation center, which is about a mile from our factory. That place is ready to go for IT if that needs to be done. That's something we'd never, ever really thought about. It's like a new command central in a way. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So that brings up a question that I like to ask is, what is the biggest issue that you're dealing with and how are you addressing it? That's a great question. Biggest issue is the unknown. (laughs) We don't know what it is. It's the what if. What if a case does enter our building? What if it enters one of our other factories? What if it's just in a certain part of the building. Obviously, we're going to use an abundance of caution, but trying to put plans in place for those what-ifs has been where we've spent most of our time. The other issue is with all of the government subsidies and unemployment programs and the PPP, what do those actually mean? We're not finding people who are experts and can speak to it. And what does that mean for our people? So that's been an issue trying to get our arms around what all that means and how we operate within all these new government programs. Can you talk to me about how do you remain productive in your new work environment? Everyone's got a different way about going about business on a day-to-day basis now that we're working remote. You know, tell me a tip or two that keeps you productive. Well, there's an interesting phenomenon we've noticed in our factories. As far as work out on the factory floor, productivity has gone up, okay? So we ask ourselves why. Well, there's obviously less socialization going on. You know, people aren't apt to be standing there talking to each other. People kind of come to work and they go about their job and they stay to themselves because, you know, we're supposed to. 
And when that's the case, we're seeing more work is getting done. So that's been very interesting. In the office, it's a little harder to measure, obviously, but our managers feel good. And, you know, I think there's an esprit de corps among our people working from home. They got a feeling of pride, fellowship, and a common loyalty to the company. And even though they're working from home and their direct supervisor isn't right there, they want to do a good job for the company. So in a lot of cases, talking to our managers, they're really saying that, you know, what's happening from home, in some cases, maybe even a little more than what we've expected. And again, there's less socialization. People are working by themselves. So it's an interesting phenomenon. And, and obviously, it gets to the quality of your people, too. Absolutely. They know that, you know, everybody's backs to the wall. So let's do our best to get through this together. Well, absolutely. And again, that goes back to, you know, speaking about the company culture, the strong company culture that you have there, which, you know, I'm going to wrap this up by asking you one last question is let's not forget the kind and generous acts that your company is doing. Can you talk to me and, and talk to the industry here about how you and the company are giving back? Yeah, our company's been in Dubuque for 164 years, our entire existence. And, and obviously, the community and the surrounding communities where our people live are important to us. We established a charitable foundation more than 75 years ago, and we give away hundreds of thousands of dollars to a lot of different entities, volunteer fire department, United Way, you name it, Boys and Girls Club. And we continue to do that. That hasn't changed. In fact, we just had a charitable meeting this week. And we, we signed off on a, on a lot of donations. And we also asked ourselves, hey, in this new time, where's an organization that may not hit our radar in the past? Where's someplace we could give a little boost by, by giving a nice donation? So that's just kind of the way our company's always been. We appreciate the community's been good to us, and we feel we need to be good back to the community. Well, what a wonderful way to end this conversation by, you know, there's always a silver lining in every situation. And here you can tell that your your employee and the company culture and taking care of customers is everything is going full speed ahead. So with that, Rob, thank you for joining us today on Off the Cuff. I appreciate it. And you stay safe and we look forward to seeing you and the rest of your team members in person sometime soon. Yes, thank you, Ruth. Enjoy telling you a little bit about AY McDonald. Appreciate it very much. Well, thank you. You take care and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. So I know that we just ended our, our conversation here with Rob McDonald, but Rob actually just told me a really interesting fact that I would love to share with everybody. Rob, can you tell me what you just told me about the founder when he started the company, how we might not be having yeah, this great, conversation? Yeah, my great-great-grandfather, after starting the business, he became a citizen of the United States, and that's when the Civil War broke out, and he signed up to fight for the North. And interestingly, he got shot once in the leg in one of his hitches, and then he came back and recuperated and went back, and he was shot at the Battle of Vicksburg in the elbow. So none of them were life-threatening. And then after his time fighting for his country, he was shot in his parlor in downtown Dubuque in his own home by a burglar. Now, this one was close. It was just above the heart, and it was debilitating to him over the years, but he survived. The interesting thing about this, had any of those people been good marksmen, the story of A.Y. McDonald could have ended that day. And and that's never lost on me. I think about A.Y. And, and what he did to make this company go. And when you look at that story, 
he was a survivor. There's no doubt about it. That's the neat part of our history. That That's incredible. He definitely was a survivor. And it, it shows with, you know, 164 years later, the company is is surviving and thriving and can hopefully take on anything that comes its way. Rob, thank you for adding that tidbit to the story. I love it. And I look forward to hearing more about it later on down the line. Great. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. Thank you. 